Today we talk the shape of poo and finding yourself as we chat to Waveney Yasso of Alinta and Waveney on Benny Asking People Questions. Asking People Questions is proudly supported by Major Minor Music Australia, who wish to thank the people of the Gadigal Nation on whose lands all their work is done. If you'd like to know more, then head along to mmma.com.au. Today, my guest might appear relatively new to the children's music scene. However, truth be told, once I began my research, I soon found that actually her love of performing for children has indeed almost expanded an entire decade. Her show with writing colleague Alinta McGrady, Have You Heard the Wombat Sing, went from being a one-off showcase to a touring show and eventually culminated in the album we are here to celebrate today. This album, although an album of new works, feels like it has been with us for centuries. Its complexities, its richness in storytelling and its impeccable harmonies are betrayed by its effortless delivery, creating a sense that we just happen to be part of an afternoon sing-along. That's what makes this album so special. It is an afternoon sing-along created by performers who constantly remind us that they are there to pay homage to the music and not for the music to pay homage to them. There's an enormous amount to unpack here, but also a lot to simply leave and delight in. So we will do our best as we meander through a wave of, I guess, proper questions and then some statements of total admiration as we chat to one half of Alinta and Waveney. That would be Waveney Yasso. Thanks for joining me today, Waveney. Me, I really appreciate it and I'm ready to learn actually as well. I feel like I'm so new to the the crew and um and maybe this little crossover industry that it's it's really nice to have conversations as well. Oh well look it's it's a pleasure. Um look it's you're amazing. I think the music's amazing. Um I'm really grateful that you're here to be able to share it with us. And look, I'm gonna start with I guess probably the biggest question. So don't be put off and think that the rest of the podcast is going to be this sophisticated. Uh, This is really just so I can appear sophisticated and then meander off into stupidity as it goes on further. Um, So doing a little bit of looking back into the whole thing, you recently performed at a TEDx conference in Brisbane and you performed Breathe, which you, you wrote for a friend who, you know, we don't need the details, but I'm led to believe was struggling emotionally at the time of writing the song. And you talk about this motion in this in in this um, this notion that everything is temporary, and there's kind of something very simple and very beautiful about that. How do you? I guess my question is: is how do you take that notion of everything is temporary, which kind of could be perceived as almost a negative thing, and how do you take that and really use it as strength or offer it to your friend as strength? I think it kind of comes back also to the sense of hope and trusting the seasons because the seasons are also temporary, but, you know, they're going to cycle around again. I think that's probably one of the, it's, yeah, everything is temporary or the emotions that you're feeling are temporary is probably something that I like to say to myself when I'm feeling down too. Um, But, yes, like you said, that could absolutely be seen as um, negative but I guess it's kind of there to to speak to you during those moments where you kind of might be struggling and you just have to push through and look through and, and trust that there are cycles and seasons of things including emotions including you know things like grief or happiness and anger which is also why I think it's important to 
live in the moment too because you know that it, it is temporary, whether it is even something that's um, joyful and happy. You know, like when I spend time with, say, my nephew or my niece or something, it's so nice to know that I'm present and I'm with them and I'm also going to be, you know, temporary, I suppose, in their life to a certain extent. But even just that moment, I think moments are kind of what make up your life, you know, a bit here and a bit there. And and that's how we, you know, structure our memories, but also our life and the seasons of our life and the changes. Um, yeah. I don't know. I well, guess that's. No, that's actually quite beautiful because I guess what's really lovely within that is is the idea of permanence is actually the emotions themselves are permanent. You're never really going to escape them. They're going to come up and they're going to go and they're going to come up and they're going to go. You have a sad moment. You're never not going to have another sad moment as long as you live. But the sad moment you're currently in isn't permanent. It is temporary and it will just move on. And then what is permanent, though, is you will have those moments again. Yeah. So the permanent part is the consistency of always having that. <laughs> totally. But temporarily just ride it out. Gets but, yeah. Yeah. Um, little meta. But, yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, you can trust that I probably will have these moments again or, you know, that's that's what is consistent and isn't temporary, but those moments that make up, you know, that um, are, are temporary. Mother Earth, she is our soul. Mother Earth, she loves us all day Beautiful. Got the serious bit out of the way. Let's just launch straight into who who the hell Alinta and Waveney are. So as I said at the start, this started from what I understand from can you hear the wombat sing or do you hear the wombat sing? How did, I guess, in in as, as long or as brief as you'd like to explain, how did that begin and how did that end up to an album? Because, I mean, it feels like it has been around for a really long time, yeah? And we feel like that has been sort of festering in the back of our minds for a while too. So um, Alinta and I were involved in a creative development to create um, a 60-minute show basically or 50-minute show for Queensland Arts Council or Arts Link, which they sort of changed over to. Um, so I had just finished, um, I graduated uh, from WAPA and then Alinta was still in Brisbane and I we kind of had spoken to each other because we know each other. Um, we studied at the same place in Brisbane, in Mianjin, but uh, we weren't in the same group of friends or anything. So we kind of knew of each other. Um, but she asked me on this creative development and basically we had a week um, to create a show and we did it. Plenty and of we time. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, do you know what? It did feel like a while because we were kind of just really vibing it. Like the the room was dark. It was a black room with no windows and air conditioning. And and basically, yeah, we were put into this room and told, you know, create something really nice. Like there wasn't really very many parameters or themes um, to it, but we knew that we wanted to speak on what we were passionate about, which is the earth, mother earth, taking care of country, looking after the animals. And that kind of really quickly developed into a story about different animal characters. Um, and Alinta and I were our own characters. So we embodied ourselves and then played to our strengths. So in the show we developed, um, scenes and scenarios 
scenarios where these animal characters had their own songs, usually like in their own little genre. Um, and then we would sing to them and each of them had a lesson to kind of teach the kids. And then we toured that show. Have you ever heard a wombat sing? We toured that for a couple of years. We hit up probably I'd say majority of the schools in Queensland. Um, (laughs) and yeah, it was, it was really fun. And I think that show itself spoke to all of our strengths and everything that we're passionate about. So we spoke about our mob and our totems at the very beginning. We had an acknowledgement song, um, where it spoke to the weather, um, which was one of the songs that's on the album as well, Pitter Patter. Um, and so we would speak about where we were and sing about where we were and incorporate that into the show as well. So we would sing if the sun was shining, we would say that and we would sing that. Um, and that sort of became, yeah, our life, I guess, for, for a couple of years. We, we always kind of wanted to develop that further um, post-tour but we kind of, I don't know, we were on different projects. We do do different things. You know, um, Alint is a triple threat. So she's doing, you know, plays and, and um, dance projects and singing as well. And I write a lot of music and um, I started, well, I helped to start an event called Pub Choir and I was doing that for a while and working out in community, um, in remote communities and doing workshops because I love working with kids and I love working with mobs. So we kind of, I guess, you know, separated and then came back and then separated and said, oh, you know, we should really get this thing together and we should, we should put it somewhere. We should give it either give it away so that somebody can develop it and who has time to kind of tour or you know um we should record and blah blah and and um that eventuated I suppose we kind of the past couple of years we've been doing random gigs um doing snippets I guess or a shortened version of that show that we toured um, and condensed it down to about 20 or 25 minutes. And we picked all of our favourite songs um, and Alinta developed some new songs as well that we kind of worked on and, and reworked and reshaped and would randomly, when we could, um, did those shows here and there um, and then saved up while we were doing those shows. So we would collect the fee and then put a, put away some of that fee to be able to record in a studio and actually, you know, mm have something um from all of the work I guess and all of something at the end of it yeah well I think we really enjoy singing them as well and that sort of never really stopped and so we wanted to kind of honor that too and say to ourselves like let's you know do something for ourselves too um in that sense because we've achieved you know this and however many years ago it was maybe um probably six or seven years ago you know we were touring touring that stuff and that show so um i guess it was something that we always wanted to do the sun is shining the temperature's rising in me and Jen. the clouds are flying Trees are grooving in me and Jen. The frogs are singing. Yeah, I mean, there's so much of that, really, I think you can hear in the music itself like like there's this there's this thing in australia where we have uh, well not in australia sorry in other countries that have family music and 
it's not a, a huge genre here. We have music, but we don't. We usually just plonk it all into children's music. But you know, family music's becoming a very strong um, uh, category here, and it, it's kind of it's kind of the sense I got from this album is this idea that like it is it is essentially for children it's come from this idea of performing it to children but as like i said in the intro i think the delivery is really like it feels like everyone's just kind of sitting around and doing it and and even you talk about how long you know you both splinter off to your own thing and then you come back and so on and so forth i think that's all there in the music i feel like you can just you could just you know, it could sit dormant for 20 years and then just one day find yourself together and go, oh, let's sing those songs again and should we record them? Yeah, let's do it. And it would just, I mean, I, I, that's a testament to your musicality. I'm sure it's not quite as simple as that from your end, but that's, for me, it feels like it's just been around in, in forever, you know, and you'll just grab it when you need it and, and do it because that's the timing of it, you know? I think that speaks to what we create about and how we feel about it and also like you were saying before, like we were saying before, you know, taking this stuff, um, this kind of category of music seriously because we have a responsibility to to speak to things that actually are important and that you can kind of pick up and put down and conversationalise as well. Um, it doesn't just start and end, you know, in a song. Um, and I think that kind of comes across or we wanted that to come across in a in an album like Our Backyard, you know. Um, these are things that are happening in the real world too. And I think you can, it, it's very conversational. You can pick up a conversation about one of the songs um, and put them down <laughs> or you can develop on them or not. But I think um, that sort of speaks to, yeah, what we create in the music and and if we're passionate about it, you know, if it's something that we don't really care about, we're probably not going to pick it up again or not going to listen to it again or, or maybe feel like it doesn't have a space in your world or your life or your day. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because I guess there's also this element I, I, I'm drawing a very long bow here and I'm probably saying something that's going to offend everyone that listens to it. But this idea, which is a great start, um, but this idea that like, it, like I think one thing that really stands out is is you have a consistency in instrumentation. Every song kind of travels around percussion and, and you know, there's bass sometimes, not always, but yeah. there's a real consistency. But it doesn't, but you don't get to the end and sort of feel, oh, I've just listened to 30 minutes of the same thing. You 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 get to the end and feel like you've you've really been taking on this this bit of a journey. And I guess like you're saying, that comes from this uh, idea of being really, it's just intrinsically part of the things you just want to say. And so there's no real, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's not a huge overthinking of it because it's kind of there and you know what you need to say. Whereas if you're sort of coming out and going, I really want to write an album about, uh, I don't plastic. You might end up overthinking the music because you're following a zeitgeist rather than being passionately behind it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I guess for you, because you're, as you're saying, this stuff's just in you. It's like when it comes out, it just comes out. And so there is that relaxed nature almost. Is that kind of right? Or Really nice piece of feedback because I played all the instruments on the album and I'm like, I went to uni and drums my first instrument. So obviously like um, what I could sort of contribute creatively is probably that whole idea of the rhythm and stuff maybe speaks to me personally um as well and it's a reflection of me personally and 
obviously that's kind of the music that I like to play or that we like to play. Um, but I also think, I think it's in a lot of industries, your, your personal, um, ideas don't always get to translate to your professional ideas or Mm. your personal passions don't, you know, necessarily yet, um, are transferable, but with music and with art, you know, our personal identity kind of informs our professional identity in that sense. And so um, when we are, I guess it's, again, like very conversational. So, you know, um, the earth and Mother Earth and all of those things, you know, you can pick them up and and sing about them and have a really nice time and then sort of leave them behind or you can think on them more. It's kind of... yeah, and each little song has, you know, its own little story and its own little mood and its own little character to it. And um, I think overall, obviously, like they all belong to that album. Like you can hear that in the music too. Um, but I think also coming and developing it from a live show, we had X amount of instruments to, to travel with us. So we had like ukulele, guitar, and I had my cajon as well. Um, and that sort of obviously influenced how we would record it too. Mother Earth, she is our song. Mother Earth, she loves us someday. No. She is our soul, Mother Earth, she loves us all day long. We also wanted it to not be overdone or overproduced. Um, and we always want to speak to how we like to perform. You know, I would never bring a synth pad on stage really to 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 play you know while I was doing a live gig and it feels inauthentic and unnatural so I think a lot of the decisions or all of the creative decisions had to feel like it's natural and comfortable and that's what the album kind of is and I think that's reflective too when you hear it you can kind of hear that it is comfortable for us and and um feels like a conversation and yeah. I put a kangaroo, platypus, turkey, dingo, turtle, crocodile and don't forget the gecko. Here's everything. Mother Earth is everything. I've heard a kid. I think also too, I mean that that's that sort of what you talked about, like creating the show and then just deciding sort of after sort of meandering off in a different directions and going oh look let's do the album let's let's commemorate let's let's have something lasting from the show you know let's have this i mean memorability is a terrible word but let's have some sort of significant thing at the end to remember it by um and i guess that's the thing isn't it when you're actually doing it as a as a as a almost as a memory keepsake of a thing you've done you don't want to come in and start again and make it all completely different and over i mean it's it's it is about capturing and 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 there is that like there's so much of your stuff in these songs that you I list I listen to as an early childhood teacher and go that's a live song and I can see that happening live. Yeah. How did was it difficult to then put that into an album when it's not live and all of a sudden you're singing to a microphone to a glass? Yeah. Was that hard to kind of 
think it I think it was in a lot of ways where we would get, you know, kids to sort of join in with the actions and stuff and then we're like, okay, so what do we say? Or <laughs> um, what about those hard of hearing kids too? Do you know what I mean? So a lot of the stuff maybe doesn't translate, you know, and and in the ways that it's normally accessible in a live platform or a, um, at a live showing, it's not. And so, um, you know, the directions with the actions. But, again, we wanted it to be organic and conversational and delivered as similarly to how we would live, you know, um, recorded. Um, even just with the call and response stuff, you know, I think you've got to kind of give space and um, also give credit to kids too. You know, they can do with the songs as they please um, and adults too, you know, just because we've got instructions in there or just because we want you to join in with something, it doesn't mean that you have to, which I think is also the beauty of having a recording rather than like the live. And so there are obviously, you know, pros and cons or, or um, you know, different ways to interact with people live. Yeah. I think I think there's a couple of things in that, like, because because I I keep thinking about the interludes when you've got Gaga Gecko and Mother Earth, yep. and you have these interludes between the songs, and I kind of went, well, you sort of need those, don't you? Because that's 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 the element you lose from the live performance. Otherwise, it just becomes a series of songs. Set up the characters, yeah, yeah, totally. But then there's also that bit in um in Pitter Patter where you you know, hey, this is waving to you, say hello and all this sort of stuff. What's really interesting though, and, and this really could be me just reading way too much into it, but I, I sort of instinctively instinctively waited to hear the children shout it back. Yes. But you didn't do it. You chose to just leave silence there. Yeah. Well, assuming the kids in the room will fill that gap. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I guess that was something that we thought and maybe overthought um, as well, because in Lizzie, you know, we have, I mean, we didn't have kids to, to bring into the studio either. <laughs> that confident or yell these things and you know didn't want to um work them and say okay do that 25 times in 25 different voices you know too um I think it's also up to the kids I mean even if that was live and they chose not to sort of sing along I mean we're not going to punish them and I think that is art in itself they can absorb it or interpret it in whatever way they please I think that's probably you know I don't know. In my eyes, maybe that's the healthiest approach. Obviously, um, if my nephew's singing there, I'm going to look at him and go, okay, sing along, mate. Or I can stare him down until he does. But, you know, I I think we didn't want to, I don't know, overthink that and, and, um, it was it was actually yeah it was actually really beautiful like here I, I never there's every now and then you get to hear something in children's music that you you wouldn't have thought would or just in music in general that you wouldn't actually thought it seems like a simple choice but you wouldn't have actually thought how much of an impact it would have and having silence really mm. I was really um really caught unawares and and I, and it just kind of made me go oh that's actually kind of that's kind of really brave. I mean, look, brave from the listeners' perspective. I know you're saying, well, I just didn't have children around, but I, I'm assuming <laughs> there was much more to it than that. Yeah, but, you know, I think the natural order would, like, thought progression for most people would be like, oh, let's bring kids in to shout it out. So, you know, but you didn't. And and I thought I, there was something really, it, it made it, <laughs> as a 50-year-old listener, because <laughs> I'm your target audience, right? It, it made it... Um, 
I don't know. It just it just made it, made it really personally engaging. I can see a child really feeling like, oh, it is me that you want, that you're talking to. There's no one else filling the gap, but it's me. Waveney and I like to go walking by the water, near rivers, lakes, creeks, even the beach. We see lots of different animals when we're near the water. I know a really cool reptile who I see when I'm near the water. She's a little shy and runs away when people get a bit too close to her. Her name is Lizzie, Lizzie the Water Dragon. I would love to have your beautiful singing voices to help me with this song. Can you repeat after me? Let's get started. Personally, and I don't have children, but I also think um, our approach, Elinta and my approach is quite gentle. And so I guess maybe that's also a metaphor for how we interact with kids, you know, and this new generation of, of parents too, and deciding, you know, not that they're going to force things on their kids, but in terms of comfortability, if, if a child doesn't want to hug somebody, you know, who they're just meeting, you know, I would never force that on them. And in a very similar way, you know, we're not going to shove this music down their throat so that they have to, you know, I feel like that's the beauty of art and whether they gravitate towards it or not is absolutely fine. You know, I don't take it personally. Um, but I think maybe that's also now that you've pointed it out, maybe a metaphor for how we kind of, you know, approach things and, um, yeah, I would never want a child to join in if they felt uncomfortable or didn't want to as well. And so I think that's something that I would stress in the real world at a show um, or, or not too. You know, I think that's our approach in general. You know, we want it, we want kids to be comfortable enough to be able to to do that or to not, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of, and, and that's, bit more of an eloquent way of sort of touching what I was trying to get at before with this idea that it, it feels like obviously I listened to the whole album. I mean, you know, once, twice, three, four, five times, whatever. Yeah. Um <laughs> but like it 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 feels it 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 feels like I've just walked in on a bunch of people playing. Hmm. But weirdly it doesn't mean it's irrelevant to me or I just happen to stumble on it. I still feel totally invited, but that invitation is this is what we're doing. Come and be a part of it. But, you know, if you want to just cruise off and then come in a bit later, that's what you're welcome to do. Yeah, or revisit it later when you're feeling sad or happy or, you mm. know, when it when it suits you or when you're ready to learn about, you know, the names of places or when you're ready to learn about the rain or, you you know, we've had, you know, awful rain in, in me and if you don't want to sing about it and it, you know, it, and it causes you, it causes memories to come up, we would never, you know, mm. Um, and so I feel like it's, yeah, almost a metaphor for our approach or how we should be or have to be. You can absolutely be informative, you know, if these kids are asking, but, um, they will learn on their own too. And they'll come around too. I mean, obviously we love it if kids are are joining in and parents as well. Like you don't have to be a kid, but I think that's, um, I think that's art in general. Mm. Yeah, and it's also, I guess it's that difference, isn't it, between inviting the listener and then kind of 
demanding the listener listens yeah. you know and and I feel like with your music there there it's a it's a genuine invitation um I think it's also what's really nice about that is the first thing you've touched on which I don't think anyone's really brought up before is this idea that um nothing happens in isolation you know like there's there's your you're doing your bit in it somebody's doing their bit in it and that is art that's just you don't have to be into everything and you can be in everything if you want to be in everything it's just you know it's there and if you want to engage then hey come and come and be a part of it actual musicianship on the album because I just want to touch base on your star now profile um, I, I went into the I went into the the, the depths and it says that you perform um in several shows as a drummer as a pianist as the lead guitarist and obviously the vocalist uh-huh. how many how many instruments do you actually play? Like how much, how do you, how many uses do you play that you feel competent enough to, I mean, those four are pretty, well, lead, lead vocalists. I mean, they're a good place to start. But they're they're pretty decent. That's like a band. Well, it's a lot of money when you're recording an album. And so, and it did. And, you know, it, um, I got to do whatever I wanted. Like I would hear something. So, um, on this particular album, I played, uh, drums, guitar, bass, um, and ukulele. Um, I kind of can play piano. I've got, I've got a little, I've got a really good quality keyboard here that I probably should utilize a bit more. Um, I play all of the instruments by ear. Whenever I tell anybody I went to Whopper, they assume it's for guitar. Um, I did my singing exams and stuff and I learned all the scales and, you know, sometimes I think what for when, you know, I'm very instinctive, mm. you know, musician. Um, but yeah, it was to sort of, learn the the technical side of drumming but my most comfortable instrument um that uh, that I like to play on is, is drums I think um okay. I kind of grew up uh playing drums for church and my dad's a bass player so that's kind of where it all started and um but yeah uh, those I could play comfortably I do have a whole bunch of random um like I have a trumpet and I have um you know, a flute and I have some really random, some random things. Um, I pretend that I can play them if if it's going to get me brownies, you know, somewhere. Um, or if I hear something. So I think like the, when we were recording the um, album, I've never really had a studio to myself in that sense. Um, and so that was really cool to be able to Mm. say to, um, our sound engineer, I want to jump on this because I can hear this pattern coming through and tell me if it's too much or do you trust me on this instrument? He's like, yeah, go for it, you know. And I feel like we 
were in a safe space and, you know, we did have a limited time, but I think, you know, we were comfortable enough with the songs to kind of go, okay, let's explore. And by we, I mean me, I'm like, let's like, can I explore this baseline or does this, you know, push or pull or, you know, tell me, you know, and so um, I feel like I was very blessed in that way to be able to do that and to kind of have flexibility in that sense. But, yeah, I do play um, a few instruments and, and you know, it can save me money and I can sit here and record from home and send some demo tracks to people and, and write on projects, which is, you know, um, nice for me because I don't have to put any pants on and go outside. You know? I'm doing that from home. <laughs> I like to call her Sissy Waterhead because Sissy Waterhen is my totem. A totem is an animal or a plant that is special to Indigenous peoples and their families. Whenever I see Sissy Waterhen, it's a good sign. Sissy Waterhen reminds me to listen with my ears, speak kindness from my mouth, feel love, give love. The thing about the drums is quite interesting because one of the questions I did have is like with the with a lot of the, it's 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 a very heavily percussive album, very percussive. Mm-hmm. But you're you're a full uh, kit drummer, yes. But you chose not to necessarily use, at least from my hearing. There's no like for like it's not filled with symbols and things. Yeah. I think um I think in general I'm probably a quiet drummer, but also. Um, I think everything should serve a purpose as well. And so if, if we, if we have, you know, listeners with maybe, if we want the album, say, to have a particular tone, I'm not going to overwhelm it with anything that actually doesn't make sense or, you know, feels like it's out of context. Um, I think, I mean, I play a lot of cajon when I'm live anyway. I sold my drum kit, uh, you know, a few years ago. And so I don't, play unless somebody asks me to record on something or if I think it's necessary. Um, But I think, I don't think it was really necessary. Um, I Mm. think, sure, I mean, I think there's always space for things and space for ideas, but I would hate to overwhelm anything that doesn't need to be overwhelmed. And I think, you know, for, for an album that has maybe, say, like a lot of layers of harmonies, and we want that to kind of stand out. I, I would never want to interrupt that um, in terms of what the song looks like or what the album looks like. And so if we choose a driver, then, you know, it is vocals or it is ukulele or it is, you know, the shaker or the, um, the congas that I was able to play on in studio too. Um, and so I think if it serves, you know, the song and, and its purpose, then I'm going to choose it. Um, and if, if I don't really hear it or if I don't think it's necessary, I'm not going to put it on there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think drums too, like particularly when you sort of move into cymbal world, I mean, it, it consumes a lot of space, you know. It's a very big, and particularly if you're talking about the nuances of, of harmonies and things like that, it really can just yeah. rob you of those zones yeah. in the song and just yeah. disappear. Um, one thing, talking about leaning in on stuff, one thing that's really great about this album, which I hadn't really listened to, I hadn't really clocked on until, because it, it is it is actually also really easy to be lost in the harmonies. I mean, let's be honest, they're beautiful harmonies and and whenever you hear things like that, you, you can't help but just go, oh, it's, it's beautiful and I'm there and that's it. But, but listening... Um, you know, on the tenth, fifteenth listen. No, no. After listening to it a few times, I kind of really, I clocked on 
on the on your and Alinta's delivery as well, there's kind of a real there's a real um, energy or almost attitude in the delivery and some like I think Peter Pat is a great example of a song that like it was kind of it was really again it goes back to that thing like somehow the two of you are able to do this without it being overwhelming yeah. But I mean, did you do you is that just you, the two of you as performers, or do you go do you really meticulously think about how you're gonna deliver something? I think, I think we thought about it, but we didn't overthink it. I think we again wanted it to be uh close to how we would deliver it live. Um, but then I think I, I do believe that there are it, um it, there isn't such thing as too many harmonies which is wild like when you see me perform and I'll loop all my harmonies and you know it gets a bit intense but um I think when they're serving a purpose and also like the dynamic of pitter patter kind of goes up and down as well you know the rain is heavy and then it's soft and and so um in terms of yeah the delivery we always kind of just look to for it to serve its purpose and you know I would I'm a bit of a I'm very um, pedantic. And so I would go into the sound guy and go, can you isolate that? Can you actually get rid of that? You know, like I'm very just like cut it. If it doesn't make the cut, then, you know, it doesn't make the cut, <laughs> you know, and that's whatever, that's our fault and we'll we'll, we'll take that on the chin. But um, I, I think it's got to be reflective of, of the song and the story too. And I think um, even, you know, my vocals or Alinta's vocals, they deliver to the character and the story of each of the songs, mm. which maybe we, um, you know, because they're so old, you know, we've been performing them for however long, or we're so familiar that naturally that's that's we're inclined to sing yeah. a certain way. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? You're sort of finding you've you've developed ways to be more creative within the delivery, or not even creative. I think just to to you're so comfortable. Mm. You know, when you know, when particularly with a lot of the songs that you guys have, because they they're kind of storytelling yeah, songs, yeah. you end up being able to tell the story just in harmony. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it becomes less about singing and more about just. And then the gag, you know, and 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 I think you know what's funny about yeah. though is that I think that's the only song where we swap over our um, harmonies, and you know. We probably wouldn't be able to to tell who switches from lead to um to harmony in, in between each of those lines and stuff. And we did that live. I can't remember why. I don't know why. Oh no, I think it was because Alinta. Um, we ended up saying Alinta, you should lead them with the actions and sing up high because you know the kids are young and their their voices are going to be higher. So then I went low, and so in that song we sw- actually swap um a little bit wow. and um you yeah I mean because we've layered it up you might not be able to tell either but um again like that you know served its its purpose when we we're doing live stuff and Alinta's leading the actions and lead vocals and she's higher and so then naturally I would go lower um but even so if we were live on stage and one of us was singing the wrong thing then the other just you know you've got to do the other and that's just how it is for that show or whatever it is for that song so Ready? Here we go. 
Can you say pizza? Pata? Pizza? Pata. Peter Patarain. Peter Patarain. It's yeah, is that a comfortability with the music or is that a comfortability with each other being able to do that? Or is that just being supremely musically gifted to be able to go, what harmony are we at? I'll just lean in on that. What key are we in? I'll go there. Peter column A, B, and C. I think I think out of both of us, I'm more comfortable with harmonies and finding them and um, putting them in a certain place where I think they might help. Um, and if they don't, then let's get rid of them. You know, there's no reason to have them. But um, I have sung in a few different groups um, in Brisbane uh, because I want to sing harmony. Like I never want to sing melody. And so that's the reason I joined those groups. A lot of people join them to perform and to, you know, songwrite or to, you know, socialize for me. It's, it's so that I can sing in harmony. And, um, maybe that's also because like I grew up with family who were always singing in harmony or culturally, you know, um, harmonies are really important for our songs and dances and, and, um, stories as well they're just kind of naturally there. I think I've always been inclined to sing a harmony um, because I like the texture. I really do. Um, I think there's always room for a harmony, but a lot of people might argue that. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely the Alinta side. I, I love the harmony, but I just give, I need the melody. Right. And if I'm going to do the harmony, I need months and, I mean, and months of practice. Other, you know, too. So, uh, you know, they're both, important but they, and they both inform each other and obviously one is a driver but I think you know texturally it can make things interesting but it can also really um it can really bring out an emotion or or a, you know depending on what what the harmony even is mm. you know what I mean or the instrumentation even is like I mean just sort of going back to you talking about like just your upbringing and it's you know just harmonies are so important I mean does that does that kind of lean into the pub culture kind of uh not pub culture the pub um choir stuff like where because like you're saying you said you can be quite pedantic but then you openly put yourself in a room of people that yes just want to go there and give it a crack I mean is it what what's for you is it is it that element of just going these are just people that would never have felt they could be part of this yeah I think in a lot or is of it or is it a paycheck I mean I... <laughs> bills, lights still gonna stay on at night um I think it's probably speaks to I guess the same thing that the album does it's an invitation do you know what I mean mm. if you sing along or be a part of it then you absolutely can in saying that I'm not a choir conductor I do write choir parts and I love harmonies and I work with schools a lot and um songwrite with them and then send them back arrangements and things and and um I'm not you know I never studied or learned that but um I think it's a part of kind of how my music develops naturally mm. too um I think it's absolutely the the album, but also like an event like Pub Fire is an invitation. It's an invitation to art and it's giving you license, you know, to um, accept or reject an offer, you know, that is art. Um, and Yes, sorry to mean to cut you off, but I also think just singing is just one of those things that just, I, you know, I feel 
you know, I feel I feel the the desperation of the the European concept of music, which is notes and all these kind of stuff. Right. And you play an instrument, but you play it well. And rah, rah. you know, I think I think a lot of people obviously just will immediately assume I'm not musical. That's their first thing. I'm oh, I'm not musical. I'm not musical. I'm not musical. But then singing, I mean pretty much everyone can kind of sing oh, it's an instrument we all have you yeah know. and it's and it's a shame because and I think that's what's why things like pub choir resonate so heavily is just it's a chance for people to really be a part of something beautifully and something really musical I think you know there's obviously like you have to have a sense of vulnerability to be able to get there in the first place and after mm. Maybe a beer or two, you know, you can feel better about yourself and maybe be more inclined to sing louder. But I think um, we're all born with with this instrument that we're walking around with and, you know, whether you utilise it or not, you know, it's up to you. But then that too can kind of, you know, I don't know, maybe it speaks to people's personalities, whether they do want to be involved or not. But, you know, I think we're probably sold also this idea that, you know, I mean, a lot of people have trauma too from when they were younger, if they got rejected from this or that, or we're told, you know, not to sing too loud in the shower, whether it's family or wherever you are, a lot of people, you know, that gets shut down, you know, and um, a lot of people have, you know, negative attachments to that. And so then they won't lean in and they won't accept the invitation. Absolutely. And 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 half the places that, that or ninety-nine percent of the places that are available for them to take part in it are usually really highly structured groups that are huge rehearsal times and all this, you know, like it it's yeah. it's a scary thing, you know. And and you know, I guess the thing I like pub col- uh, pub culture, pub choir is just I mean pub culture is pretty, you know, a lot of courage there as well. But um, you know, I guess pub choir does actually just go. There's none of that. You can come if you don't. Like you're saying, it's it's an invitation. You don't have to accept it. My name is Sandy. I sleep in trees. I love to eat eucalyptus leaves. I sleep to make the day go by. When I'm awake, I'm really shy. Have coverage. counterintuitive for those people who um maybe were well i mean i guess when you're told in a classroom say for example two plus two equals four you know i think art is something that um people forget that two plus two could equal purple pooing unicorn or something you know like there are no rules until you know we tell ourselves that there are rules Precisely, and and that's and that goes back to that idea I was saying about the instruments and things like that. Is we have there's an element of music um, mm. that's been pushed into this on some level an impossible hole for so many people um, that they're just afraid to do it and they just don't think they can. And it's a, and yeah, like you're saying, everyone can sing. I mean, that's the reality of it. Everyone's got a voice, and not necessarily great or or you know bad. Mm. Or- it is but i mean it's also scientifically proven that it's good for us and our mental mm. health and and mm. you know i mean i'm not a scientist but it's in the data you know that it's good <laughs> for our brains it's so good you know yeah, thank god someone else is a scientist and they did all the research and we can just yeah. look at the big tick
It's funny you should talk about Unicorn Poo, though, because I do just want to touch on the song Square Poo. Now, this is the only question I have about lyrics. Is it Alinta's poo that looks like grapes? Did I get that right? Okay, excellent. Good. So when we were on tour, (laughs) we kind of, um, or we're in the creative development, we're like, okay, so what are all the things we should say or about each other or blah, blah, and, and so... I really stretch that out when we're doing our live performances as well because we're going, da 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 Alinta's look like grapes. And so every delivery was slightly different and we're trying to throw each other off, you know, as well. We try and we really try and make each other break halfway through, you know, some of the, some of the show too because <laughs> um, actually I had an invisible wombat friend. So that's that's the from the wombat show. Mm-hmm. I had an invisible friend who I was always, you know, talking about and he was on stage and he was in his box, but, you know, the box was empty and so... Um, in the show, there was a lot of room for us to try and catch each other off and make each other laugh. And that's one of the lines that stuck. Um, and I kind of look at Alinta and go, Alinta's oh, look like grapes. And kind of give me a shit out. You know, she got really good, obviously. She's an actor and she kind of would gasp or she go, you know, what? You know, as if I'd, as oh, if, I'd, yeah, looked at the toilet before she flushed or something and like nobody really. Whatever. But um, I think, it, and the kids, some of the kids would catch it and some of them wouldn't. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. really would catch it. And, and well, I, don't, I don't know if it speaks to my immaturity or what, but I caught it. Goats look like marbles, Alinta's look like grapes, but there's no other animal who poo poos out this shape. Yes, when when there's the backyard reprise at the end, yeah, you get the recap, and, and it was kind of strange because I think I was still listening to it as song by song, and I was writing notes, going, "Oh, that song's got this." Yeah. And it wasn't until I heard this recap that all of a sudden I I, I felt really attached, yeah, to everything I just heard, and it was really kind of it was I was it was quite fascinating that all of a sudden I was just like, oh, I I, I all of a sudden like. I don't think it's a reminder, but it's it feels like a gentle you've just been part of this thing. Yeah, it's just a reminder that you've been part of this journey. And it was there was something really beautiful about it. Um but why why do it, I guess? I mean, for that all those reasons, I guess. Yeah, I mean, during the live show, because it was so interactive with the kids, we'd get them like when we realized that the song could overlap if we just changed a few things, you know, it's not every song is in the same key or whatever it is. Um, at the end of the live show, we would kind of do the actions and get them to do the actions again. And and when we realized that the songs could overlap, it was kind of just like the full stop. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, learned these lessons from these animals and actions from these animals and and you know I think also because sometimes you have favorites too and so when you hear oh yeah I like this one it's gaga gecko or whatever it is you kind of feel attached you feel attached Mm. to it because you hear it one more time and Mm. you get a chance to hear it one more time and that doesn't maybe always happen at the end of an album or the end of a show um but because it's happening kind of makes you feel really nice because you you, and then you wait to hear um Mm. what song is next too so you kind of like anticipate it and you know that you know it because you've heard it um and it was really it was really planned like really well you, you you really it was a real thought out process having that song at the end yeah, well, um, in the live show, I had my song. So it basically, um, have you ever heard of Wombat Sing was about finding your own song 
you know, and um, it doesn't have to sound like an echidnas or a kangaroos, you know, they had their genres and they had their purpose and, you know, we had a tap dancing kangaroo who um, learnt the pattern of the traffic was the rhythm of the road and um, Alenta would tap across the road in the live show. And so, you know, obviously you attach yourself to to something that you like the most or you favour um, and at the end I actually did a rap and it was my little, um, it was my song that I had found um, and I didn't need an imaginary ca- um, friend or a character that was the wombat um, in the show. And so it was kind of revisiting these other songs, these other people's or characters' songs to remind you that you have a song too. And so I think it served a few purposes and it really naturally kind of organically happened when we were doing the development as well it was like okay well this mother earth song is kind of the theme song it's how we would break up each scene in the live show um and so to have those chords and to be able to fit all of the lessons and all of our little favorite characters um songs in along the way felt like a full stop and like a a little wow you know um, a little send off, you know, to everything we'd learnt, um, the lessons that we'd learnt, but also like the music that we'd learnt too. So naturally that kind of came about, but we also wanted to have that at the end because that's nice for us, um, you know, musically to revisit. And I think your favourites do stand out, you know. Mm. It's, it's um yeah, kind of yeah. like say you don't have a favourite, but when you hear it in the little like, reprise or revisit um that last song you kind of yeah wait for it and you go yay you know lizzie's back whatever it is yeah, so. and it kind of makes you want to go back i mean look i i also understand like yeah it does because like my favorite in that little bit i didn't you know singing wombats square poos in beautiful harmony yeah <laughs> i mean definitely a highlight for i didn't know i was unaware of how much i needed that in my life so that was so, that. yeah so revisiting there's about you but i'm not qualified to be able to speak on that um but i'm glad I, was like, I was just like listening to you like wombats have, and i was just like going, oh, like who's singing wombats have square poo in well, really yeah. beautiful harmony amazing great and me just being like of course we can put a harmony on that you know and then just doing it and then it, sa- it sounds nice and we like singing it and once yeah. you get a and funny just, part it, of it. it just just gets in there and it's just in there and it's just part of this thing and you go oh yeah yeah that's what it was yeah, yeah. So there's this really great video of the two of you. I'm not one of the social medias when you have obviously just got the album artwork and you're both really excited about it. It's like it's here and it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, And it goes out there and it's beautiful and it's great. And then you win, um, you know, best newcomer at the Mars. Yeah, and be very careful what you say here because you are speaking to one of its creators. But is it like, does does that kind of thing, because the reason, like, what does that kind of mean? And I don't, I don't know how to ask that. The reason, the reason why I think it's important to find, to know what you feel is because the whole project has come from a different place 
than wanting to entertain children and have a career and entertain children. It's come from a place of we want to express this, we want to do this, let's make the album because let's let's make sure it's preserved and it's out there. And then all of a sudden these really beautiful things happen as a result. I mean, what does what does that what does that tell you? What does that make you feel? What does that make you want to do in the future? What does that what does it mean? Well, I personally um I have always wanted to work with kids and I'm passionate about mob and our young people. And, you know, I think this work with kids and writing songs with kids as well in schools and stuff is a place where all of my skills align and it's somewhere where I can kind of feel like I'm making an impact too. So for that to be acknowledged in, you know, obviously like symbolically or in this, in this way of an award is, I mean, I got really emotional because it is so important to me. And when somebody else recognizes your work, I mean, I know teaching, for example, is a really thankless profession. Um, and sometimes like we were saying at the top of this, when we're not taken seriously or our, um, impact isn't taken, um, as seriously, you know, you kind of can get disheartened. So the recognition mm. of the work, but also of the the stories that we're telling or the purpose of it too is really nice. I, I got really emotional because I think I don't really know much about this kind of little world, you know, this intersection of music and children's music and, you know, who's who in the zoo and, and you know, I feel really new to it and well I think I am really new to it you know I don't mm. I don't know much about it and so to be recognized and to be able to speak you know with those people in the room as well when I came down and to to meet people who share this you know the same or similar purpose um and to be amongst it was really really nice I think personally um in terms of my journey and where I I'm at, um, in my world, I needed it. Um, and it was a real encourager for me because I want to do more in this space and maybe, maybe it's fair to say I didn't know how, or I don't know how, um, Mm. but the recognition means that I'm doing something right or we're doing something right. And it's also to say that you can have, you can speak about like, you know, black fella issues and first nations, you know, content uh, can be embedded or a, a part of this, this world, you know, again, another sub subgenre or crossover or intersection, a category, you know, that maybe I think we need more of. Um, but I think it spoke to a lot of things in me, my, my personal identity and why I think this work is important, but also the professional identity. It's the work, it's the recognition and acknowledgement of of the work of the hours too you know so Mm. I think it spoke to a lot in me and a lot in my heart um and so thank you to the community for embracing me as well I got a lot of follow-up messages and I had um really good yarns in Sydney too which um I don't know what I expected or or if I expected anything but I think um the recognition and and what it symbolizes is something that is so important you know it's makes me feel like I should 
keep doing it, you know, and, and I think of course we all should. Um, but again, it's, it's one of those things where you could, people can give or take it. And so you're not reminded often or thanked often. And so I guess maybe it symbolizes a thanks or, um, just recognition in general. And personally where I'm at in my life and my career, I think I really, I needed that. And, and I'm, um, it will push me forward and drive me forward because I love creating and I love creating for kids. Um, but I also have to speak to my ancestors and, you know, the climate and the social climate and political mm. climate and, you know, the earth and taking care of each other um, as much as taking care of this world, you know, um, mm. you know, and the environment and the animals. And um, I think the award is kind of like recognition of that too. You know, you can't recognise the work without recognizing um its purpose and what its mm. its content really is you know it's about mother earth and her creatures yeah and look i think i think with the awards one of the things that we always like on the board we we always you know we have these moments like particularly and we had them again after these awards was like yeah do we actually need awards or are we just doing the event like what what are we you know is it about winning and things like that and and you kind of ultimately go, it's kind of the awards. It brings everyone together, is what I hate to say it. But but I think the thing is, like, what, what you know, what you've touched on, and, and, and I can't speak to your personal experience, but I do know what, by and large, a lot of people reference is just the idea of, you know, it, it, a couple of things, being in that room and just realising there's so many people all doing the same thing that it's that all just trying to champion each other. But I also think from the perspective of you winning or or anyone that would win an award under those circumstances is just you, you are in a room with an, a, a huge amount of people from all over Australia just saying thank you. They're just saying thank you so much for the work, you know, and thank you for what you have done, potentially will keep doing. And it's and it's great. And here we are. Don't let you know. Let us help. Let us as a community help each other continue on with that work. You know. And I think, um, you know, and I and I often, particularly after these awards, like I saw some of the photos, and there's these great photos of you with Justine. These great photo of you and you and Peter at the front, Peter Coombe and Justin Clark. For those people living in other planets that don't know who I'm talking about, the two coolest. Like, yeah. like these are these are like. These are just undisputed heavyweights of our industry. And they're all there. Yeah. Celebrating everyone, you know? And, like Yeah. And and I think that also speaks to what we're talking about at the beginning, where it's like um taking what we do seriously, because it absolutely comes across as fun and entertaining to parents or to, you know, to other people outside, you know, this subcategory in the in the industry or any other industry, you know it looks fun and colorful and and this and that but you know we have a responsibility to the next generation sure to entertain them but also to to make them feel safe and all of the good things you know all of the important things and so when you're 
in a room full of people who understand that and you don't have to like explain that to them or and they do take you seriously and say I really enjoyed this I really enjoyed that thank you for this and thank you for that I think you know you're amongst your people and if that happens once a year I mean that's amazing but and once you connect with them and you can have these like now I'm having these conversations where I'm like I don't know what this is or maybe I'll write a song about this and and you know you're amongst people who speak your language um and so I think that's a really important thing too there's a really beautiful quote by a person whose name I can't remember right now but she is a um, musical educational theorist and a teacher and she writes um the quote is it's not that children can make beautiful music. It's that music can make beautiful children. Yeah. And it's, it's a really beautiful thing. And, and exactly what you're saying about talking to the next generation, it is the next generation. I mean, we kind of laugh about it, but it is the next generation. These, these kids are that we are singing to are 15 years away from being the people that vote for whoever decides to lead our country. That's not that far away. That's actually really close. Think further on that. I don't think it maybe is just that. I think that's absolutely a part of it. But you need to think about um, the rooms that we're entering that might be unsafe for young children. And so we are the safe place. And you know, those formative years, we somehow magically through what we do are allowed access into their minds and their hearts. And how can you not take that seriously? Yeah, that's a big. You're right. That's a, that's an enormous responsibility, and 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 that doesn't mean you have to be serious. That responsibility can be going. I'm just going to give you an hour. Where you can just have fun and enjoy yourself. And there's this trend in children's music where a lot of teachers end up making music that's kind of just all laugh and silliness right. because they go, I spend all day making life so serious for children that. I want to give them a moment. But then, like you're saying, you've got the other side where people are going, it is really important that we say the right thing and do the right thing. Um, obviously, we're on a topic I could probably talk about for the rest of um, the, the day, uh, but at some point I need to pick up my own children because um, feeling responsible for the every other child on the planet probably should start with my own too, so I'll have to get them from school. Pick them up again. Um, <laughs> you did that yesterday? <laughs> So true. I'll pick them up every day from school. Like, when does it end? Um, but then one one thing after the winning war, this will be the last question. Um, one thing after a couple of days after winning the water, it might have been a week or so after you posted a, a thing on Instagram and you said, post-referendum and right now within the political climate, it's important for me to think about what we are telling our young people. This is a space I'm passionate about working in. I'm not sure what lies ahead for me, but I know this has been an important step in direction for change. Just keeping that in mind and then going back to your TEDx performance, you talk about, you have this moment where you talk about leaving your secure job to pursue your dreams and purpose. And then you go on to describe purpose as everyday gestures and who we are. Do you, feel particularly now particularly saying how you felt just before the not i'm not talking about the awards change everything for you but but keeping that idea of those purpose purposeful gestures and 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 that is your purpose mm. um do you feel do you feel it stronger in your work now or do you feel there's still 
work to be done on the work. <laughs> so if that makes sense. Like, you know, do, do you feel connected to that idea of the purpose and the, those everyday gestures and things like that? It was just a really lovely thing that you said. And I just kind of wanted to go, yeah, just somehow get you to elaborate on it in a way. Yeah, I think personally, um, and I've said this at a couple of gigs, you know, because I do um, corporate gigs and I work in spaces that I know, you know, where I could walk into a room and maybe not everybody agrees with me and, and, you know, where I sat on the referendum as well. Um, yes, by the way. <laughs> um, but I think, um, purpose is so interesting because everybody's is, you know, different or slightly different. Um, but the, the ripple and the ripple effect of our everyday gestures speaks to our purpose. You know, I, I believe, um, and I think that's kind of what I was, what I was saying, but my heart has slightly shifted in, you know, post-referendum and I, you always have to zoom out. Like for me, I have to zoom out on the lens and what is it that I'm saying? What is it that, you know, children might be receiving, especially having worked in, in remote communities and maybe say, you know, their takeaway from people in the community is, or they don't care about us, or they do care about us. And now we have this data that that they can look at that mm-hmm. tells them something very specific. Mm-hmm. And so I think about what can I do to counter that? And, and that is my purpose. Mm-hmm. Really, at the end of the day, that is my purpose. Um, and I take that really seriously. Mm-hmm. My, my heart has shifted since the referendum and so I feel like I have to be more concise and I have to work harder to deliver a message that that is my purpose mm. and speaks to my purpose. I think that's a that's a really interesting um I hadn't like that idea that there's there's now a statistic you know and and we we lean on statistics so heavily to prove points there's, and um there's data, there's data you there's know data that yeah um, in now, you know mm-hmm. unfortunately or maybe fortunately because it there's it shifts and and somebody else drives us down another you know really positive path but um at the moment i think i'm still in, in mourning of of what that means and and i think it will drive me to work harder and you know, to maybe also conserve my energy and put it into projects that I think can have impact and and will will ripple, you know, every day, you know, um, in what I say and the language that I that I choose to, you know, articulate my feelings um, with too, you know, in, in certain rooms. But I think also that's why I take any platform that I get very seriously and, you know, that award means that too, you know, now what do I do in this space? What conversations can I have realistically? You know, what can I do to, to better the world and people's hearts? Look, the ripple, the, the, your rippled gestures are strong and they're wide. And I think they've, they're touching everyone far further than perhaps you might even realize. Um, but realistically, 
the most exciting thing about all of that is when those ripples turn into waves. And um, look, it's also not to say that that will be more children's content. Who knows? But um, but obviously, if that does prove to be more children's content, as you said, you you know where we all are now. Yeah. <laughs> There's one room every, every year. Every every year we're all in this one room. But um, yeah, I kind of yeah, I. I it's it's really beautiful. It is a it's beautiful music. It's beautifully created. It's beautifully shared. It's it's all the things that I don't know. I think it's all the things that we sort of hope we achieve when we when we spend all our time overthinking stuff. Yeah. We we hope that we just sound natural and and more. I don't know, but it's 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 a it is a beautiful album and. Um, I'm I for one am incredibly incredibly grateful to you for for making it and doing it and finding whatever reasons you felt you needed to just st- put a stamp on it and put it out there and have it exist. Um, I do genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, hope that there will be more mm-hmm. because I feel like um, one of the questions we didn't get to was just how would you do something different, and I kind of feel that maybe with a fresh slate. Well, not a fresh, a fresh slate of music, like without coming in with already a whole bunch of songs written and the opportunity just to go, right, what is it that I want to sing about? I, I think there's, I suspect and wholeheartedly believe there's, there's some beautiful things that will come of that, those moments. So <clears throat> on that note, um, thank you so much for joining me today, Waveney. You're a legend, um, absolute and wholeheartedly. And um Thanks for chatting to me on Benny asking people questions. People asking great questions. I loved it. I loved it. I'm I'm glad. Good. That's really good. It means I'm doing something something right. Um. All right. Thank you very much for your time, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. If you'd like to know more about Alinta and Waveney, you can find them on most platforms from Instagram, YouTube, etc. And of course, for more Benny Time goodness, head along to bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, asking Waveney questions. Yeah.